Hello there. This is CSW, creator of Incarnation Red. If you enjoy Incarnation Red and want to help keep it going, support the show on Patreon via the link listed in the episode notes down below. In return, you'll receive a variety of perks ranging from a monthly Q&A slash horror gaming livestream to a chance of having a mini-episode made based off of you and your fears released on the main RSS feed for everyone to hear. Additionally, all patrons receive access to an exclusive patron-only Discord server where you can chat with fans and myself, watch live streams of pre-release episode editing, and join in on regular horror movie nights. I rely on your support to keep the show going, so any amount, no matter how small, will help me bring you more scary stories more often. Link is in the episode notes down below. Additionally, if you are a fan of audio drama podcasts in general and want early access releases plus bonus content from Incarnation Red, absolutely sign up for Apollo Plus, a creator-owned platform where every subscriber helps audio fiction creators for just $10 a month. You can think of Apollo Plus almost as the Netflix of audio dramas, offering exclusive content, ad-free and early access releases, behind-the-scenes content, supercuts, and a whole, whole lot more, all by supporting the creators you already know and love. With Apollo Plus, 70% of the revenue goes directly to us creators and provides all of us, both creator and listener, with a place to enjoy the shows we love, such as Afflicted, 13, and of course Incarnation Red, and a whole, whole lot more. And of course, Hemophobia, my upcoming horror podcast, will be there too, so join Apollo Plus through the Apollo Podcasts app or by going to apollopods.com slash plus, that's P-L-U-S. Incarnation Red is a horror anthology podcast, and thus contains material not suitable for all audiences. All content warnings can be found in the episode notes down below. You don't want to go in there all by yourself, do you? This episode of Incarnation Red is brought to you by patron Drew Kellogg. Drew, thank you very much for your continued support of the show, and I hope you enjoy this one. Episode 29. Myth. does not move. I walk past it, step right beside it, almost on top of it. Yet it does not fly away, does not startle or move. I stand, 
stare at it for a moment. It does not even turn its head. I keep walking. Walk past the bird, the pile of garbage, the street signs. I breathe heavy. Walk heavier. Try to keep my eyes open as I walk away from the worksite, down the sidewalk. Maneuver around people looking down at their phones, looking at each other. I feel my feet aching, my joints stiff and worn from the day. My back is bent, lean to one side. People pass me. They walk quicker. I feel my limp dragging on the concrete and I struggle forward, struggle around, struggle until my apartment comes into view. And I step in. I take off my shoes. I fall onto the couch. I look idly out the window and let my bones adjust to the position. I watch people. Watch them move and talk. Talk to each other. Smile here and there. They look at each other steadily. They speak in sentences already formed before their mouths open. They listen intently. Never seem to struggle for words before they speak again with white teeth, controlled tongues. Understood and understanding. I feel my body aching. I feel my heart beating slow. So I rise and go to the bedroom. I lay down but don't sleep. Just lay atop the covers, not moving, within the dark. There is simply nothing else for me to do. And eventually night does come. I notice it just barely as the drawn blinds choke out less and less light, giving way to black. Sleep comes with it. But it doesn't last long. I wake to a sound barely present, barely real. I hear it wandering from one corner of my room to another. Then it stops. I feel the fly walking on me. I shift, shake my arm, feel it rise, resume its wandering. And around me, I try to ignore it try to rest. I can't. Then I wake. The bend in my back feels starker, sharper. As I stir, try to rise from bed, my bones and joints sear against the motion, but there's something new. A new pain on my right forearm. I turn on the lights, look at it. The skin is darkly discolored, bruised all over the inner side. I scrutinize it. I can't think of anything that happened yesterday that would have caused it. I look at the clock. I need to get going. I step out, lock the door. I straighten my back, wince. I make it down the steps, along the sidewalk, out of the residential streets. I reach a crosswalk, step on it. 
car thrashes past me before I can take the next step. I back up, watch it go, then turn back to watch for more cars. And they come, one after another. In the space between two, I step forward, lean my head out, look directly at the oncoming car. Directly at it as it comes, comes fast, not slowing at all. Eventually, blowing past me. Within feet of my head, none of them even honk. The cars don't stop coming. I walk on past the crosswalk, across an adjacent residential street with no cars driving on it. Just a possum, dead and split open in the center of the road. I look toward the main road. The cars aren't stopping. I turn back to the residential street. I step forward, make my way across the street, step carefully around the roadkill, reach the other side. It's not long before I reach the worksite, suit up and get to work. Lunch break comes eventually, then a few hours later I'm on the second story, working a staple gun on a sheet of plywood along a wall. I progress down the bottom edge of it, then up the side, but stop halfway through. I pause, put down the staple gun. My arm is... wet. Wet and warm. I pull back the sleeve of my coverall. <laughs> Where the bruises once were is now a long and open gash splitting my forearm in the middle. Blood pours actively. I go downstairs, leave the building, go straight to my boss while still holding my fingers to the wound. He's looking down at an architectural plan, looks up at me. He looks at my arm, then back at me. He asks me what the matter is. I just hold out my bleeding arm at him letting him see it. When he says nothing, I point it out to him, say I just discovered the wound while working. He tells me I do seem to have a pretty rough cut there. I tell him I don't know where it came from, but I must have gotten it on the job, and I'll need workers' comp to help treat it, and cover my wages for the next few days that I'll definitely have to miss. He asks me if I'm sure I got it on the job. I tell him I don't know how, but I must have, given that I didn't wake up with it. How else would I have gotten it? He says he doesn't know. It's not really his business, is it? He looks back at the floor plan. Without knowing what it is I'm supposed to even say, I ask if I can at least have the next few days off for it to heal. He shrugs. Doesn't look at me. I walk away, back to where I left my backpack. I take off my coveralls and put them in my bag put my hard hat and safety glasses back where I found them. I sling the pack on my back and walk back toward the road. Still holding my arm, I pass my boss, try to make eye contact. He looks up at me. He says my name, asks me if something is the matter. I hold up my wound again, tell him just my arm. He nods. 
looks back down at the floor plan. Without workers' comp, I can't afford a doctor, so I make a stop at a pharmaceutical store, get an elastic bandage and some rubbing alcohol. I come up short at the register, though, so I just buy the rubbing alcohol and treat the wound as well as I can in their bathroom, making a makeshift bandage out of paper towels. Then, with nowhere else to really go, I walk to the library. No particular reason why, and no reason why not, either. I find a book that looks semi-interesting, sit down on a love seat, rest my wrapped arm on the table, and read. Try to. Try to stay focused on the words and the meanings, but the fly. I swat at the air, refocus, keep reading. I follow the letters, and the meanings, and the story. Turn the page. Try to make reason of it, to imagine the events in my world. I put down the book, wave my hand at the air, swat blindly. I raise the book again, keep reading. Keep following the story. Try to picture another life. I see the fly on my arm. The lights go out all at once. I look at my watch. It's five o'clock, and nobody is around. The library must be closing. I stand up, leave the book on the table, grab my backpack, and scurry toward where I first entered, leg dragging. I find the front doors, a young woman standing outside them, locking them. I rush forward, put my hand on the glass. I tell her that I'm still here. She looks at me. Shrugs. I guess so, she says, and lets me out. I go back to my apartment. Set down my backpack. Walk over to my bedroom door. Shut. I open it. Walk inside. Start undressing. I turn around to leave and find the door closed again. I didn't close it. Yet here it is, shut without a sound to explain the closing. As if unaware that I had closed it, unaware of me, just like everything else. I sit on the bed, stare steadily at the door, and I wonder, wonder how my life could truly be what it is, that I can see the closed door, can see the still bleeding gash on my arm, can see myself but cannot be seen by others, at least not seen truly. Seen, yes. Seen as a body. Seen as the shape of a person. Seen in passing cursory view. 
seen as what already they thought to see me as, and nothing more. How could a life like that be real? How could it be that my existence is self-sustaining, but self-sustaining only? Enough only to sustain self. And nothing further. That there is enough inside me to be real to me, but not to anyone else. I can't answer the question. I can barely even ask it. So I rise, turn off the lights, lie down and stare. I have nothing else I'd like to do today. Or any day. It's a few hours before I sleep. Then wake. I hear them. I hear them around me. The flies. Around me. Around the room. It's coming from the bedroom door. It's coming from the living room. I uncover my body. I stand up, step over to the door. I feel them touch me, land on me, awaken my ankles with each touch of flesh as they circle the door. I open the door. I turn on the living room lights. And I see something. Something in my living room. Something looking at me. Something that just can't. blanket, it's gone. It's gone. I turn around. Go back to bed. In the morning, I feel worse. Again. My bones feel like broken glass, and my left leg aches dully in the calf. My arm is bled through the makeshift bandage, soaked and peeling off. As I replace the bandage and treat the gash with more alcohol, I can see that it hasn't gotten any better. If anything, worse. As I expected, there's no chance of me going to work in this condition. Once more, I'm left with nothing to do. So, once more, I walk to the library. First thing after breakfast. I sit in the same spot. The book I read yesterday is nowhere to be found, and there is nothing that particularly interests me. I browse fiction, non-fiction political commentary, self-help, history, history. Something occurs to me. I attempt to ask a librarian, but can't seem to get their attention, so I scan the directory myself, locate the section. My family has lived in Chicago for a long time, generations and generations back, 
practically staying within the same neighborhood. But it never occurred to me to actually read my own genealogy, to look at my family tree as it was recorded. I don't have a phone, let alone a smartphone, and can't even afford internet to begin with, so I never got the chance to research that way. But here, in this library, I feel... compelled. Compelled to look like it might help me somehow, in a way that I can't quite identify. Curiosity, I guess. Maybe just boredom. It's not like I have anything else to do. So I find the section. Local history and genealogy. I go through the shelves, volume by volume, and I read. I read book after book. I track down multiple chapters of multiple volumes because I have to. I have to because... Well, because where my family's lineage is recorded, there... Well, there's an error. Something that can't possibly be true, because where my parents are written, sprouting off of them, are two names. My older brother and my younger brother. I am nowhere to be found. Not dead. Not alive. So I keep searching. Searching through books and books, genealogy after genealogy, but everywhere my last name is seen, my first name isn't. I go through records, one after another, read furiously until the library nears closing time, but they all look the same. They all lack me. stand up, sway to one side, stumble. My leg, my left leg, there's something wrong with it. I look down, and I see blood pouring out of my pant leg into my shoe and all over the floor I look up look around for a librarian call out at them as they pass and call out at the others sitting and reading but they give me equally absent regard not replying not even looking at me 
not even looking up from their books, not even seeming to perceive the spot where my blood is, is nowhere. Nowhere to be seen anymore. The floor is clean. The carpet is unstained. Yet still I bleed. I feel lighter. I feel myself emptier. I feel the space in my veins where blood once was, and the hollowness fills me. It fills me. I go home. I go home quickly, hurriedly. I go home and practically kick at the apartment door, thrashing immediately through my things. I go rooting through files, covered in dust from when I first moved in, rip through them looking for my lease. It's not there. It's not there anywhere, so I drop the stack, rampage into my bedroom, clatter my hands onto the nightstand and claw for it, for my wallet, and find it, open it. There's... no credit card. No social security. Not even an ID. The flaps that held them are empty. Just empty. They don't even look used. I throw the wallet back down. I go back out, grab my keys from the coffee table, step out of my apartment into the stairwell. I find the mailboxes, find mine, jam the stubborn key into the lock, turn, pull, open. It's empty. It's empty, god damn it! I shut the mailbox door and I see on the door, what I did not see before, or rather, what I did see before, every day, until now. My name is not there. No name is. I go back to my apartment, back to my bedroom into my nightstand for the pictures. The stack of photographs. Me and my family. Me and my friends. Former relationships. Faces that used to look at me, see me. Faces that saw my face. Faces that spoke to me like I was real. Like I was real. But these aren't the same pictures. They can't be. I'm not in them anymore. I vanished from the frame. So, these just can't be the same pictures. Can they? 
I let the photos drop back onto the nightstand. I cover my eyes, rub my face, rake my hair, open my eyes again. And the photos are no longer there. I go to the living room. I sit on the couch. It's at this point I realize my leg is still bleeding. The bandage on my arm is seeped directly through again. My flesh is heavy, cold, like a corpse, but wouldn't I have to be alive to die? Wouldn't I have to have lived to be dead? No. something to be grateful for, but instead, leaned back on this couch and bleeding out what's left of me, watching blood drip onto surfaces sure to forget it and forget me, a world that has chosen to forget me for me, I ask myself, what happens when one ceases to be real? What happens for that person, to that person? Does it hurt? And if it hurts, how could it when... When you were never real in the first place? But if you were never real then... Then how did you believe you were? I feel my eyes closing. I feel my vision blurring as sleep folds me shut. And I hear the flies. I hear them swarming. Feel them landing. Feel their touch, but why have they come? When there's nothing for them to eat. Between flutters of my eyelids, I think I see the light come on and then go back off. Can't be real. Couldn't have been real. Whatever that is anymore.
great, out the innumerable, innumerable tears in my flesh. The rot open gaps in me. My flesh is a stained reddish brown, a withered call-like remnant. I move. I move without knowing how I do so. Till I kick open my front door, stumble out onto the streets, go down the road, turn the corner, step into the late morning busyness of people all walking, talking, looking, not at me. I see two policemen down the street, on the other side of the road, standing by their patrol car. My feet leave pieces of them behind as I clamber toward them. Reaching out with ruined hands, stepping quickly into the middle of the street, sprinting and stopping immediately, feeling my left femur. into the street. I withdraw my limbs, hide my face. I make myself small so that I won't be unseen again. I crawl back onto the sidewalk. I slip into a nearby alleyway. I crawl through that darkness, turning alongside my building, and make my way home. And I go straight to the mirror. It's the last thing. The last thing that I have. The last thing in this world that could tell me who I am what I am. But it's glass, I see nothing. I see no one. And when I look down at my body, my flesh, I see. Nothing. Even I, now, see nothing. And now correct this little incongruity, this momentary delusion that was my life. This myth that I found myself believing in. The myth that was me.
I see nothing. Nothing but a face. A face I don't recognize. It's a man's face. Studious looking. His brow is furrowed. His eyes looking here and there at things that aren't there. At connections I can't see. He rubs his chin with gloved fingers. He seems to think he knows something, but I... I am the one who knows. He tries to fathom it. He tries to understand. He tries to understand the agony that I know so well I am nearly synonymous with it. I don't know him, but I know what he did. I know he inflicted this upon me. I know he invoked this evil. I know that his actions have brought upon me the death of all deaths, the breaking of my being, like a bone between teeth, a slaughter he himself knows nothing of. And somehow I even know his name. and blood bury him forever in the black and thirsty earth. Even now it waits at his door. May he be butchered and mangled until his soul is rammed, forced out of his body like water from a rag. May he hurt in the same way I hurt, a hurt of which he knows nothing. He knows nothing. Not yet. Incarnation Red is created, written, narrated, and edited by CSW. The opening theme was written and performed by Annika Hansen. All music and sound effects used in this podcast are created in-house from scratch. For more information and regular updates, follow me on Twitter at CSW underscore horror or visit my website CSWHorror.com or like the show's Facebook page, Incarnation Red, as always, spelled R-E-A-D. For behind-the-scenes looks and other scary content, you can follow me on TikTok or you can follow me on Instagram at Incarnation Red. Thank you for listening. <laughs>